Welcome back. David Penn here, the Professor Penn Podcast. Oh, we started out with some gripping scenes, didn't we? Uh, wow. Uh, Bob Marley and uh, the visuals to go with it. I'm just uh, moved. You know, it was interesting. The, the last podcast, uh, there was a, uh, a music video uh, about war. And uh, I watched it uh, and previewed it before the podcast, and I started crying. And when we were doing the podcast last last episode, I started crying again. And you go, why are you crying? Well, I'm crying because the people are rising up, and it's really going to be a race uh, between the people rising up and, and, and getting in this game or the power structure just completely descending upon us and and finishing us off. And uh, for those people out there in the audience and for myself that have a real sense of tyranny and, and, and brutality and genocide because they've experienced it in their lives or they've studied it, boy, we're right here. I mean, we are right on the precipice of uh, going over the edge yet again, just some 75 years after the last time. Uh, today, I'm recording this on June 6th, and that's the anniversary of the invasion of uh, Fortress Europe by the United Nations uh, in uh, 1944. That uh, was the beginning of the end of the Axis powers and the beginning of the beginning of the globalism that uh, has become the new empire. And uh, that's what this podcast is becoming more and more focused on, how we're going to restore a national character, local governance, um, limits on man's ambitions, our return to the natural way, a return to faith, because, you know, this thing is a failure. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are going to listen to me and think, boy, you're crazy. This thing's great. And for those people, they're welcome to stand on that street corner and depend on the government and depend on the military and depend on the medical and depend, 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 and give up all of their self-governance. And when they're doing that, they've really abandoned. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with creator. With Let me start it over, please. I want to get this really right. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So welcome back to the Professor Penn Podcast. I want to thank Free People Radio for hosting this podcast. Uh, Free People of America is coming. Every time I say it, I'm putting pressure on myself because I want to give us all a, a, a forum within which we can work together. Our sponsor, TireGet.com. That's T-I-R-E-G-T.com, TireGet.com. 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock for all your tire needs. You get what you need at the right price, great customer service, and you fund the movement. And the movement needs funding. You know, this is so critical that we start to pay attention to what's called the patriot economy. 
and precinctstrategy.com. Please visit precinctstrategy.com for a tutorial on how to get off the couch and get into the game of politics. What is what what possibly could be more important at this time? Well, I um I'm complicated today. I'm complicated for a lot of reasons. Um, not the least of which the awesome responsibility I feel speaking with you because I I do consider it a responsibility and uh, I'm doing it to uh, promote a certain kind of political activism. Uh, the people that are listening to me and watching me also are interested in that kind of activism. And, and what's really going on here? I mean, what's really going on? What's really going on is that the will of the people is starting to be reflected in the governance of our elected representatives. It doesn't seem like it. We keep losing. Every time there's a battle, we lose. The latest one was, was this debt ceiling debacle. And as we talked about on the last podcast, our uni party has given itself, it's voted itself, unlimited resources. In other words, unlimited capabilities to take from we the people and do whatever they want to do with it, which really is about war. War. That's what they're about. Because we're involved in the conquest of the world by a new religion called humanism. And the isms that operationalize this new religion, such as globalism, liberalism, etc., and so on, as we've talked about, these strategies are ascendant and they're powerful. And if left unopposed, we will become ruled by rulers that view the people as an impediment to their power. I think I said that quite nicely. We will be ruled by rulers who view we the people as an impediment or an obstacle to their power. They have unfettered ambition. They do not see themselves as subordinated to any other power, and they seek to expand their power, mostly in a scientific sense, such that they seek to be gods themselves. That's the world we live in. I mean, we just got to call it out for what it is. Um, I'm not anti-science. For those of you that are going to you know, sit around the campfire and say Professor Penn is a Luddite. No. I drove here today in a car. I'm talking to you in a digital uh, framework here from a digital studio. Um, I would have no problem using medical technology if it was called, if I was called upon to do so. Uh, I'm not anti-science. I'm just anti-science being used to diminish humanity. And we've reached that point where science is advancing so quickly that it, it's seeking to slip the surly bonds of a world that is created by God. Does not believe in God, can't prove God, can't find God, therefore God does not exist to these people, and they're off on this wilding, uh, seeking to evolve humanity. That would, be because, that would be because they are, you know, Darwinists. They believe that they have the right and the power to practice positive and negative eugenics, that they have the right to shape the human species as they see fit. And as I've said, I don't trust these people. 
They're just like me, and they're just like you. They put their pants legs on one at a time. They spill on themselves when they're eating at dinner and get stains on their ties. You know, they cheat on their wives. I mean, all the things that all of us do that make us, you know, less than perfect. The only difference is these sons of bitches, don't, they don't admit to it. They want to elevate themselves because what do they have? Credentialization. They're credentialized. They're PhDs. They populate our most elite institutions. And we, the American people, are supposed to, you know, give way to their superior intellect, their superior insight, their superior capability. And my comment, which I've made many times, is if they're so good at what they do, why is the world so screwed up? And they are good at what they do. Therefore, I conclude it's screwed up because they want it to be screwed up. They are pursuing policies that make the world an unwell place. And we have all the evidence that we need. 60% of the American people have chronic conditions. Our life expectancies are dropping. Our children are being raised without good education. You know, really, they're illiterate. They're certainly historically illiterate. Maybe they can read a little bit. They don't like to read. They're, that reading has been replaced by, you know, electronic media. Our children don't read. They don't think. They don't feel. I mean, if you don't think and you don't feel, what are you? You know, you're kind of plugged into a digital media. You've kind of lost what it is to be a human being. You've become quite artificial. These are huge problems that are facing we the people. And uh, we can cover uh, these problems up and avoid talking about them. And they'll just keep growing and growing and growing. And one day we're going to wake up and uh, we're not going to have freedom of speech. We're not going to be free to assemble. We're not going to have freedom of religion. We're going to lose the rights that are, you know, guaranteed us in our constitutions and in the, in the Bill of Rights. And we've, we've taken this, you know, this, this political architecture for granted. And we've allowed uh, people to use that architecture to, you know, to destroy it. I mean, they, you know, the people that are, are interested in overthrowing this we the people thing use our constitutional process and rule of law against itself. It's a kind of a very sophisticated Tai Chi. For those of you that are familiar with Tai Chi and maybe those of you who have never practiced it, uh, let me just share. The whole point is to take the opponent's energy and use it against them. Not to meet force with force, but to take and then redirect. And that's what these people have done. They've used the very freedoms that are granted to us in our Constitution to destroy our Constitution. And they're super effective at it. They have taken the time to study. They have gone to law school. They do know what to do. We are now waking up. What do I need to do? I'm, well, I mean, you see, I'm spending time with you. And uh, that's what I feel I need to do. I need to build an audience. I need to be part of a movement. This movement is aimed at restoring, rebuilding, rebirthing uh, self-governance. Why do I like self-governance? I like being free. I like creating my own world. And this political framework has given me the opportunity in my life to create the world within which I live. 
I don't want that taken away from me or from my children or from my grandchildren, whether they understand it or not. Uh, There's this big thing about uh, we all got to get along. No, we're not getting along. We're just not. So instead of covering it up, let's debate. I'm going to invite anybody who's hearing this that disagrees with me to engage with me. Hey, maybe we can do a podcast together. You know, I just, I, I, I hope I'm not being, I know that I'm not just being watched by people that agree with me. I have a lot of people that are watching me because they want to attack me. Hey, why hide out there? Why don't you get in touch with me? Come on the podcast and let's hash it out. You know, I was uh, at a meeting recently with Republican Party activists, party officers, and there was quite a spirited debate in a meeting room, 14 people, that was about 10 people, should be 14, four people had better things to do that day than show up for the political meeting because, you know, they, they're told they're volunteers, right? You know, you tell someone they're a volunteer, hey, maybe I got something better to do. I'm going to go to a baseball game tonight. No, no, if you're involved in politics, you're not a volunteer. You're an American citizen self-governing. That's not a volunteer activity. Okay, don't mistake volunteerism for politics. It's two different things. We were having an argument. And when we left the room, one of the activists who's aligned with me, boy, did she get mad at me. I hope she's listening. She knows who she is. And I listened to her. And I took her her, uh, criticisms. And, you know, what could I say? What? I just said, I'm sorry, next time I won't sit there passively. But the reason I was sitting there passively is I consider it kind of a joke to sit in a basement and argue with people that you're not going to be able to convince because they're hardcore, silk-stocking Republicans. They're globalists. You know, I don't want to argue with these people. I want them to come on the channel and argue with me so all of us can see it. So it's a public forum. I don't want to give my A-game away so nobody says, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pitching for free. You want me on the mound to pitch? Fill the stands. Okay, I'm good at this. I think you know I'm good at it. I'm trying to get better. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not caught up in any arrogance or self-deceit. It's just when I look around the playing field, just remember this one. You'll like this one. In the land of the blind. The one-eyed man is king. Come on. I'm playing out here. These people got nothing. That's why they don't show up. So let me invite you again. I know you're listening to me. Come on the channel and let's debate the issues one by one for the American people. I have said in my letters to you, enmity into engagement. Nothing sells tickets like a prize fight. Come on in the ring. Take your best shot at me. Hey, you can bring four or five people on. I'll take you on. It's, you know, it, it, I don't need one-on-one. It can be three-to-one, four-to-one, five-to-one. Bring all your best people. Because we have to debate these issues, not secretly, but in the light of day so the American people can see the debate. And what is the debate? debate the debate is in the Republican Party. That Democrat Party... For those of you that are leftists, you were watching the Bob Marley song at the beginning and all those great signs and scenes, basically leftism. 
that's why I was crying at that, you know, on the last podcast, uh, you know, with that, that war video, that song, that room full of, of, of African-American people demanding, crying out for faith and family. Hey, you know what, Republicans? That's the future of this country. And I said, are you afraid of those people? Because if you are, you're afraid of faith in God. And if you're afraid of faith in God, look inside and ask yourself, why is that? Because when I find faith, I feel warm and safe and loved because I know I can talk to those people. I could walk right into that room and nobody is going to be mad at me because I'm just like them. And if there's that kind of a gap in the party where we've got a globalist, humanist, Darwinist group in the Republican Party that's into war and technology, things that make the people unwell, and that would be, be that would be because they are part of what is known affectionately as the Uniparty. The Uniparty. There's one party, the entire leftist side of the equation, the entire Democrat Party. And I'm sorry for my leftists that are watching. The Democrat Party is completely given over to globalism and elitism. You know it. You know it, and you know you can't change that party. That party is fixed. It is completely given over to the globalist project in every way, from top to bottom, from the very high end of the United Nations to the very lowest rung of local politics. It's environmentalism, it's equity, and it's democracy, the status quo. And what is the result of that is poverty, dependency, and sickness. That's what we're generating here, leftists. Poverty, dependency, and sickness. And why do I know it? Because I've been watching this thing my entire life, and it's not getting better. The more money we throw at it, the more energy we put into it, it just keeps getting worse. No, that's got to be policy, right? The policies are not working. When are my leftist friends going to give it up and say, this group is corrupted? It's corrupt. It's a failure, a failure of humanity. You know, when we were in the streets in the 60s and 70s, when my father was chaining himself to a fence, protesting the war, where he gave his life over to a, a career that was confronting racism at the intellectual level, at the street level, when he was given everything he had for the people, and he was a leftist, hey, leftism had a value. Well, you know, if he was alive today, unfortunately, he would probably still be a leftist. And I'm going to tell you why that is. Because the Republican Party is full of racists and anti-Semites and xenophobes and homophobes. And I didn't know it, but I know it now because I spent you know, several years sojourning with these people. I've traveled with them. I've walked in their moccasins, and I know who they are. I didn't know when I started. I remember my mother said, you know, you're just a token to these people, and I was very insulted. Boy, she hurt my feelings when she said that to me. Unfortunately, I have to say, Mom, if you're watching, you were correct. But that was then. We're coming now. Millions of us are coming into this party because it's our last best hope to preserve this country. Let's talk about what the scam is here. 
Globalism is based on equity, that everyone in the world has the same thing. That's why, and it sounds so great to our young people. Shouldn't we all be? Because I remember when I was in kindergarten, I can actually remember it. And I showed up at Miss McCarthy's kindergarten class and I looked around and everybody was the same. There was no division. None of us had anything. We're all super healthy, beautiful, shining faces. And we were looking one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four. Nobody was really up on anybody else. We were all kind of just, we were five years old, right? Six years old. We were all the same. It felt good. We had what would be called, um, mm, <laughs> we had a little psychological mass formation going on there in the kindergarten class. We were all the same. We all had a warm family to be part of. And we, we, we just kind of naturally want to get back to that, that kind of dependency. We like that. Trust in the teacher, trust in what they're teaching us. Everybody's out for our good. You know, we believe that. We want that back. And that's used against us, our, our childlike faith in humanity, our childlike faith in the unknown, the unseen. It's used against us because it's pulled on and tugged on that all the people on the earth should have the same. We should all have the same access to resources. We should all have the same resources. We should all be the same, which means we're all going to be very, very poor and very, very sick. You know, when it started out as an experiment, okay, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I've been watching this for decades. If all of a sudden everybody was really healthy and really rich, I'd love this communism thing. But that's not how it turns out. Globalism is communism. It is a worldwide leveling of the playing field. And why so much effort is being made to destroy the United States of America is because we were the bastion of self-governance, of self-determination, of differences between people. Some people didn't want to make money. They wanted to live out in nature and they just hunt for themselves, grow food for themselves. They weren't trying to rack up big dollars in the bank. Another guy, he went to New York, he was working in a bank. He got very wealthy. We had a country that could admit both of these lifestyles as valid. Both were valid. And that's not how we are anymore. We want everybody the same except a small group of rulers because when we're all the same here in America, when America gets to be exactly the same as Zimbabwe or as Malaysia, when everybody's the same, that global governance is in place. Nobody can look up to America and say, oh, it's better in America. What's wrong at home? No, every place is poor. Every place is sick. Every place is, you know, because they got the environmentalism. It's social equity. Environmentalism, oh my gosh, we got to give up meat. We got to give up, you know, pe petrochemicals. We've got to do so many things, and everybody's got to be the same. We're all going to be the same, except for a small group of ruling elites who are going to kick it in mansions, living large, laughing at us, because we're their little lab rats. You know, that's the world they're setting up. I, you know, I wish they'd come on. And I'm sure some of them are quite smart about them. We're going to talk about some of them today. But this, this, uh, this Republican Party, it's the last hope for America. And uh, I urge you, precinctstrategy.com, 
Get involved in politics. Bring your brilliance into the game. It's a tug of war. We got to tug harder to pull these globalists across the line so freedom prevails. It's just a numbers game. It's your human will being added into the equation, and the sum total of that equation is going to be which way we're going to go freedom or slavery. That's where we're at. It's the old, you know, this has been around on. On, you, on the planet Earth for a long time. Freedom or slavery? I believe in freedom for all the people. I believe in programs that develop well-being for all the people. I believe in human difference. Uh, there are differences between us. I don't think someone should be looked down on because they're, we all have our own brilliance. We all have our own gifts. Let us allow for that in our politics. And let's get into the Republican Party, because if we get more people in there, what we're going to find out is one thing turns into its opposite. The Republican Party is the party of the people. The Republican Party is the party of economic security for the people and for freedom for the people. The Democrat Party has become a globalist communist enterprise with elites and minions. You know what a minion is? A minion is... I'm going to let you look it up. It's not a very positive descriptor. But, you know, when people don't think and they just do what they're told, they're minions. We don't want that in the Republican Party. We want argument and debate. We want the best of what the traditionalists have to offer, and they have things to, to offer that are good and true. But we need to evolve this thinking. We need to get away from we all need to get along. If we just got along, we'd win elections. Now, that's Total BS. We got to rebrand the party. We got to develop a new product. And it's got to speak exactly to the people in America who are suffering. We are no longer the party of the elites. Hey, you elites that are Republicans, quit bullshitting us. Go hang out with the Democrats, okay? We don't want you in here. We want you to leave. If you're an anti Semite, if you're a racist, hey, if you're an anti Semite and you're a racist and you don't know it, we're going to tell you that's who you are. We don't want you in the Republican Party. Go hang around with these people that create policies that shackle the people to dependency and unwellness. Hang out with those dudes, the people that make us sick and poor and dependent. Go over there. Get out of my party. In my party, I want people that believe in well-being and freedom and the constitutional documents and our founding documents that have created this great ideological framework that provide me with the opportunity for freedom and well-being. Got to do a little bit of this war news. That was a 31-minute preamble. Ha! We're not going to get through it today for sure. I don't know where that came from. You know, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to do better. This is how I am. And, you know, I've got people in my life that really criticize me for this. And I'm sure the people in my audience that don't like jazz are going to go away. You know, I've trained in jazz, and the idea is to stick with a theme but embellish upon it. It actually started in classical music. Uh, you know, all these great classical concertos. You know, I played violin, the Mendelssohn, the Bach, the, the Beethoven concertos. Listen to them. I mean, I know you're probably not listening to classical music, but if you want to recover some history, find your, find your classical music, Jones. It's fantastic. Just put your, your headphones on, close your eyes, and let the music carry you into a timeless frame. 
And the, these violin concertos are, you know, they're scripted. You have to play them exactly like they're written down. It requires great virtuosity and great adherence to the history of the concerto. But in these concertos, there's these little spots where you get to play an a cappella jazz presentation. I mean, it stops. I think I'm going to play one coming up. And then the, the violinist or the cellist or whatever the instrument it is, they get to make it up on the spot. And boy, that's virtuosity plus creativity. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody can do it. But the people that can pull it off, well, in our modern world, we call them Stevie Wonder. You know, we call them Prince. People that can riff on the, on the stage and create novelty and creativity like Oscar Peterson. This stuff is just fantastic. We see it on the basketball court. We see it on the football field. We see virtuosity in so many places. And our elites, hey, they sell tickets and make money off of it. You know, for you, the New Jersey salute. You're, you're packaging a connection that human beings have to creativity. We are made in the likeness and image of God. That's his creativity. God gives human the, humans the spark of creativity. You sons of bitches package it and sell tickets for it. You know, it's okay if it's done with some style. But when you turn it into a political process of beating the people into your, politi your political viewpoint, using that, that is a heresy. That's a violation of the commandments. You're going to pay for it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But you're going to pay. When you violate certain fundamentals in this world, when I violate them, let me just put it this way. When I violate fundamental rules, and I have, horribly, I've had to spend years, as they say in the Shaolin Temple, washing dishes in the kitchen, washing dishes in the kitchen until balance is restored to my soul. So for those of you that are suffering, who have done something terrible, and you don't think you can be forgiven, there's two things that are unforgivable. Blaspheming against God, in other words, not believing in God, and taking the faith of a child. You know, if you do that, you're probably a Satanist, okay? Let's just call it what it is. But if you've done something, and uh, it's terrible, and you're suffering from it, you just keep on keeping on. You stay in that kitchen, and you keep washing those dishes, and you keep praying for forgiveness and you will be forgiven. I don't know when it will happen. It could be a lifetime. It could be a year. It could be five years. I've spent seven, eight years now finally coming out of my, my prison sentence, and I'm glad I served my time. And I'm not going to give up my sacred honor again, and I urge you not to give up your sacred honor. Reclaim, hold on to it, your honor, as if it's the most important thing in your life. And if all of us, if all of us, Find our honor and hold on to it very quickly, very quickly. One election cycle, this is going to turn around. It's when we're not focused on our honor. It's when we don't act honorably amongst each other that these evil men and women manipulate us and turn us against each other. Those scenes of protest, that's the Republican Party. We embrace you. We embrace all of the people that are suffering from economic suffering. 
of economic degradation. We're coming to help you. That's our job. That's who we are. That's the new product of the new party. Tanner, can you play this ABC News piece um, about the U.S.-China military incidents? Breaking news, a dangerous close call at sea. A Chinese warship nearly colliding with a U.S. destroyer near Taiwan. That's according to a Canadian report. That terrifying near miss captured on video obtained by Global News. The Chinese warship reportedly coming within 150 yards of hitting the American destroyer, the USS Chung-Hoon. It happened during a rare joint mission between Canada and the U.S., it's just the latest in a series of provocative moves by the Chinese military. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin speaking at a summit overseas, saying today that the U.S. won't stand for any coercion and bullying of our allies by China. Earlier this week, the Pentagon released new video of a Chinese fighter jet coming within 400 feet of a U.S. reconnaissance plane over the South China Sea. All of this as we learn of a secret trip that the CIA director made to China meeting with his counterparts there. ABC's Ike Jachi leading us off from Washington. Tonight, the harrowing moment. A Chinese warship dangerously cuts off a U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Strait. The Global News, a Canadian television network, capturing the moment while traveling with a Canadian ship participating in a joint U.S.-Canada mission, allegedly in international waters separating China and Taiwan. Reporting that the Chinese naval ship came within 150 yards of the USS Chung-Hoon, picking up considerable speed before cutting across its bow. The HMCS Montreal trailing behind right before the near collision. Its commander reportedly calling the maneuver not professional. At the time of the incident, Defense Secretary Austin attending a summit in Singapore with both Canada and China's defense ministers. We will support our allies and partners as they defend themselves against coercion and bullying. To be clear, we do not seek conflict or confrontation. But we will not flinch in the face of bullying or coercion. We need to be eyes wide open on China. And the fact is that they have become an increasingly disruptive global power. The potentially disastrous incident comes as the U.S. accuses China of continuing to engage in aggressive confrontations. Last week, a Chinese fighter jet coming within 400 feet of a U.S. reconnaissance plane over the South China Sea. The U.S. plane bouncing wildly through the jet's turbulence, the Pentagon labeling it unnecessarily aggressive. And earlier this year, the U.S. intercepting a Chinese spy balloon that flew over the continental U.S. before being shot down off the coast of the Carolinas. Still, efforts to maintain consistent communication between the U.S. and China continue. A U.S. official confirming to ABC that CIA Director William Burns traveled to Beijing in May, meeting with his counterparts, marking the highest level visit to Beijing since that spy balloon was shot down. Ike Jachi joining us now from Washington and Ike, a Chinese official tonight appearing to double down on their position towards Taiwan. Yeah, with China's defense minister said today, there's no room for concessions or compromise in regards to Taiwan's sovereignty. And during that event in Singapore, Defense Secretary Austin chastised China for refusing to participate in more talks with the U.S. military. With Ike Jachi with those late developments, thank you. Well, there's a couple of uh, real interesting things in there. One, the defense minister of Canada is a woman. Isn't that nice? We can deliver the uh, message of uh, world conflict and nuclear war by such a kind and gentle face. 
if you look around the world, so many of our uh, defense contractors and our defense ministers around the world, they're suddenly women. We have equality. I think that's just great. You know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Great. Just great. I just want to bring a couple things up. You know, we've been focused on this Ukraine thing, but Ukraine and Taiwan are related, right? little history, and I'm going to delve into this history a lot more. Did you notice that the warship, the U.S. warship, that was cut off by the Chinese warship was off the coast of Florida, 15 miles from Miami? Those sons of bitches are right off of our border, and we need to sink those vessels. They're threatening the United States of America. Oh, no, wait a second. I must be losing it. Ha <laughs> ha! That's not what happened. That'd be in an alternative world where we would have a righteous and just reason for being pissed off. This incident happened in the Straits of Taiwan, right off the coast of China. That airplane, oh, that that incident, that happened over uh, Missouri. Oh, my gosh, a Chinese jet aggressively confronted an American military plane flying over St. Louis. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, that must have been in a movie. I'm losing it. Hang on, let me get let me get full. Oh yeah, that happened right over the Straits of Taiwan, right off the border of China. You know why do we have a military? Uh, we have a military to protect we the people. It says in our founding documents, provide for the common defense. The common defense. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what. Defending Taiwan has to do with protecting Florida. Well, of course, there's going to be great arguments made by people about it. Come on the podcast. Let's talk about it. The history of Taiwan, which I'm going to get into in great depth. I mean, first of all, get a map out and take a look at where Taiwan is. It's an island right off of China. Then look up in Wikipedia who lives on Taiwan. There are some native Taiwanese. But all the rest of them, the other 95% of them, they're Chinese. How did they get there? In 1949, you know, because sometimes there's wars, and wars lead to sometimes unambiguous conclusions. Mao, Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong, had prosecuted a many decade long struggle against the status quo of his country, China. And the status quo people, the Kuomintang, that was their political party, kind of like the Democrat Party, the Kuomintang, they were defeated and they fled China. And when they fled, they took everything with them that was not tied down, all the art, all the gold, all the money, anything they could put in their saddlebags, they robbed it and they went to Taiwan. And when they got to Taiwan, they found out there was an indigenous population there. There was a bunch of indigenous Taiwanese which they immediately slaughtered and started their own country, which was a dictatorship for decades. But, but, it's one of our closest allies, and it's buying lots of arms. Now, there's another side to this story. I've been to China, as I've said, probably well over 100 times. I understand China better than most of our elected officials. I mean, better than all, maybe I don't want to say all, that would be a cognitive distortion. But I mean, I, you know, I married into the culture. 
I understand Chinese culture. I've studied it my entire life. And I'm going to just tell you that uh, you want to get into a no-back-down fight? The Chinese are not going to back down on this Taiwan thing. Someone's going to back down. Now, we're fighting miles off of their coast. It's not even sustainable uh, uh, from a military supply line perspective. This, this thing's way out of control. And we're going to come back to it and come back to it and come back to it. I am not a Chinese apologist, okay? Everybody that's listening to me needs to know that I understand China. I'm not apologizing for them. I'm not saying I support them. I'm just bringing up again, much like the Ukraine, we're not fighting in our backyard. We're not on our side of the 50-yard line. We're right next to their goal line trying to punch it across. Of course they're going to be aggressive with us. They're defending their country. Taiwan is like Mississippi. If you remember my little metaphor, it'd be like Mississippi broke off and formed its own country. Or even better, Texas, the Lone Star State. They said, hey, we're out. We're going to do our own thing. Hey, this is not something that the United States government is going to let go unopposed. The Taiwanese government has said we're doing our own thing, and the Chinese are, you know, they want to reunify the country, just like the United States did with Texas back in the day. It used to be the Lone Star State. Now it's, uh, you know, one of our most important states. So this Taiwan thing, this thing is, you know, really batted around like a, you know, like a badminton. It, there's not a lot of truth that comes to the American people, well, hey, they lied to us about everything. They just lied to us and told us there was $2.1 trillion of cuts when, in fact, the Biden administration has an unlimited checkbook. They can run the credit card up as high. They could spend $20 trillion the next two years, and well, they might. So, you know, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin there said, we're not seeking conflict. Yeah, really? It's a lot of warplanes and warships hanging out on the— if the Chinese put the assets that the United States government has in their backyard, they put those assets in our backyard, war immediately. Why do I know it? We got the precedent. It's called the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, you know, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. The golden rule, that's not really part of our politics. That's kind of a Judeo-Christian idea. But these people are not Judeo-Christians. They're Darwinists. They believe that only the fittest survive. We're in a game that they're playing in their little world. And I have something to say. This is my, my swear jar. Fuck you, people. You're out of your minds, okay? You're going to kill everybody. But maybe it's even better than that. Maybe not everybody's going to die. Just we the people are going to die. Let's go on here. Let's listen to... Jelinski warning on ABC News. I just, just love this. The relationship now between Ukraine and Taiwan. Let's go. Ukrainian President Zelensky issuing a grim warning ahead of that long-awaited counteroffensive against Russian forces. Zelensky signaling that his troops are ready, but telling the Wall Street Journal that, quote, a large number of soldiers will die. ABC's Tom Sufi Burridge on the ground in Ukraine. A dramatic search for survivors ongoing tonight. A Russian missile hitting this residential building in Dnipro. 20 wounded, say officials, including children. President Zelensky releasing the video, calling it a terrorist attack. 
It comes with Ukraine escalating strikes over its border into Russia. Officials in the Russian region of Belgorod saying two more civilians killed by Ukrainian shelling. Ukraine also ramping up long-range missile strikes on Russian-occupied southern Ukraine, ahead of its counter-offensive. Explosions and smoke rising in videos circulating online. President Zelensky telling the Wall Street Journal his forces are now ready for that offensive, but warning it could come at a heavy cost. Even in this village cemetery, there are the graves of six recently killed Ukrainian soldiers. President Zelensky warning that many more Ukrainian soldiers will be killed in the counteroffensive if Ukraine cannot challenge Russia's dominance in the skies. But the White House this week addressing the concern that advancing Ukrainian ground forces could be vulnerable to Russian warplanes, saying Ukraine has the necessary air defense capabilities to go on the attack. And WIT officials say three children are in a serious condition in hospital after that Russian missile strike in Dnipro and a baby could be under the rubble. WIT. That's just awful news there. Tom Sufi Burridge, thank you. Thank you, Tanner. Well, well, well. Lots of people are going to die. Isn't it nice when your leader sends you off to war and says, hey, a lot of you are going to die? I mean, that's really such an uplifting thing to hear as a soldier. Hey, you know, go out there, die for... Die for God and country, would you please? Just die. And why does he want him to die? Because you heard it in the programming, the propaganda, that's ABC News. They need F-16s. They need air power. That'll be the next phase of this thing as we escalate up towards nuclear war. The West, the globalist West, led by our esteemed Democrat government, the Democrat liberal, liberal order, the new world order, the new religion. They're slowly getting us worked up so that they can have an air war. They'll start with F-16s, and then the F-16s will get shot down. And they're going to say, well, they're not modern enough. We need more modern fighters. And they're putting together a mercenary air force. And, you know, so many people in the Republican Party just think this is great. You know, in the Republican Party, I'm going to guarantee my viewers and listeners that 50% of the people want this war in the Ukraine. And 50% of the people in the Republican Party want that war with China. And 100% virtually the Democrat Party want it. And the ones that don't want it, that are protesting, I just read in the paper here in Minneapolis, some of the pro-war, pro-Ukraine war people beat up some of the anti-Ukraine war party people in the Democrat Party. So we kind of got, uh, you know, uh, maybe a quarter of the people are saying, this is probably not that great of an idea, but three quarters think it's great. War. Let's do it. Let's get down. As long as it's not on my front yard. Hey, everybody likes war until they start blowing up your city, right? Don't you feel safe here in America? All this shit's way over there. Your taxes, your intent is killing people. That blood isn't on, it's on our hands. It's on your hands. It's on my hands. We are fighting in somebody else's backyard. That's not the common defense. That has nothing to do with America. This is a foreign policy that is born in Europe. This is something that our elites are into. Hey, I'm asking you, on your way to work today, are you just bloodthirsty to go kill some Russians? Does that really turn you on? Let's go kill Russians. We don't have any relationship to this. I'm not pissed off at the Russians. I'm not even pissed off at the Chinese. And when it comes to the Chinese, I have personal reasons to be pissed off. But I'm not. 
I'm not. I pa- I practiced Chinese martial discipline my entire life. I I had Chinese food twice yesterday. My daughters speak fluent Chinese. I'm not anti-Chinese. I'm anti-Chinese government. No different than I'm anti my own government because these governments don't give a shit about us. We're cannon fodder. They're playing a completely different game than we are. We're trying to raise our families. We're trying to worship. We're trying to to contribute. We're trying to live lives of decency and quietness and humility. And these people have unfettered, globalized ambitions. You know, we're going to have to rein these people in by getting involved in politics. So what's the game here ABC News is telling us? We need to have an air war. They're getting you ready. They're getting you ready for a lot of U.S. military equipment being put into the region. And guess what? Our Republican Party has just given the Biden administration an unlimited credit line to spend whatever it wants to pursue this war with the Russians. Let's take a look at the offensive. And this offensive, in my opinion, is just to set up the needs for more more military hardware. Please, Tanner. Overseas now for the latest on the war in Ukraine. There has been new fighting around the eastern city of Bakhmut, and Russia is claiming to have repelled a large Ukrainian attack in the eastern part of the country. Ukrainian officials declined to comment on all of it. Deborah Pata has more now from the city of Kharkiv. This is a video released by Russia's Ministry of Defense claiming to show its troops repelling a Ukrainian advance in the eastern Donetsk region. We can't verify this, and Kyiv has consistently sent mixed signals, perhaps a military tactic in itself. The latest being this, a video released over the weekend with the tagline, Plans Love Silence. Ukrainian soldiers are seen urging operational secrecy around any talk of a major and much-anticipated counteroffensive. Across the border in Russia, a new front line has opened up. Anti-Kremlin militia fighting alongside Ukraine have stepped up attacks in the Belgorod region. The daily hardships Ukrainians have become so accustomed to now being felt by thousands of Russians who've taken refuge in a temporary shelter. We're trying to be strong, said Irina Berlakova, because we have children who give us the incentive to carry on. And it is children who are once again the center of yet another Russian missile attack in the early hours of Sunday morning, this time in the Ukrainian city of Dnipro. Rescuers working frantically overnight brought the devastating news that at least five children were injured in this attack and a two-year-old girl was killed as she slept with her mother, who's fighting for her own life in hospital. And President Zelensky said over the weekend at least 500 children have been killed in the war to date. Children, he added, who could have become scholars, artists or sports champions. Gail? Deborah, that number is very tough to hear. 500 children. Thank you so much. I, I just am stunned at this, okay? It's just stunning. You know, the, the kids are being used as a prop. 500 kids have died. Oh, could have been an Einstein. You know... We're the ones caught, we, the United States of America, we're the ones killing these children. Why do I say that? As I realize the Russians are in this war. I'm not pro-Russian. Just quit arming these people. The war will be over immediately. Immediately. But we don't want that. We, the people, want this war to go on. 
Are you getting off on this? Do you get off? I'm going to just have to ask. Do you like watching this? Because I I find it personally horrifying. You know, every time they show these scenes of uh, bombs blowing up or or uh, explosions, someone's probably dying. That is the death of a human being. I don't know how many of you have seen dead people. I can't sleep at night sometimes because of what I've seen. So I, I don't want to see anybody killed in war. I'm very anti-war. That does not mean there are not reasons to fight because I have fought. But I want to fight with righteousness. I don't want to fight to support a global hegemon, globalism, conquest, the end of freedom. We're, we're not fighting for the Ukrainians. That's such crap. We're fighting to destroy the Russian Federation. This war has been going on for hundreds of years. This is just the latest chapter. So let us not be caught up in the propaganda of children dying or the great Ukrainian people. In fact, there was an article. You can go look it up yourself. I was going to play it, and I thought, eh, it's better if you look for it. They had a thing in the, in the New York Times today that NATO is asking the Ukrainian army to cover up their Nazi insignias. They actually have the swastika on their helmets. They're saying, hey, could you please put a little Band-Aid over that or something? It looks bad in the, in the, in the clips when we're showing our valiant Ukrainian fighters and they're wearing Nazi regalia and they're wearing Nazi symbols. Anybody want to think about why that is and what the hell is going on here? Go look it up for yourself. Don't take it from me. It doesn't help. If you go on Wikipedia or you go on to the news and you start looking around for evidence that the Ukrainian army is using the swastika as its symbol and then Ask yourself, what does it mean? Oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a rule. It's just a symbol. It's just our symbol. It doesn't mean we're Nazis. Well, you know, come on. Could you pick a different symbol? If you really don't want to be seen as Nazis, could you come up with something new? No, they're using the Nazi symbol because they're Nazis. They are Nazis. Ukrainian Nazis on our payroll, like Operation Paperclip. Hey, we got to look at what's going on here. These people have been hiding, but they hide no more because in their mind, they won. There's a, another problem, and I, you know, I have a clip. I'm going to let it go. I'm just going to tell you. The nuclear arms treaties that have existed for decades between the Soviet Union and then the Russian Federation and the United States of America, they're completely falling apart. These people are pulling the nuclear sword out of the scabbard and they're brandishing it around and they're threatening each other with nuclear weapons. Isn't that great? The United States government, you know, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, we don't seek conflict. Really? What the hell were those scenes if we don't seek conflict? Looks pretty kind of conflict-orientated to me. And what's this bullshit that the one envoy that went from the United States to Chinese to China to meet with his counterpart is the head of the secret police, the CIA, the Secret Service. Why is that guy going over? Why does he get to come in the country, but everybody else is getting rebuffed? What kind of crazy-ass thing is that? 
and they put it right out there. They, they, you know, to me, when I hear something like that, oh, what were they talking about? Why did they have to get together? And then they put it out there. They let us see it because they're so arrogant and they're so sure we're dumb. They do it to amuse themselves. You know, when I used to go to China, I went a lot for business. And I try to do business the way I do business, which is open, honest, transparent, really caring about the other guy's position because I think business is a cooperation. And, you know, they just would fleece me. And I can just, when I finally woke up to it, I realized that after they fleeced me, they went to the bar and laughed about me because they thought I was stupid. And they actually, when I asked them about it, they said to me, yes, it's your fault. You're stupid. To the extent you care about us, we're going to bang you. I thought, wow, <laughs> I'm going to wake up to this thing now. And when I wake up to it, what am I waking up to? Something that people have been woken up to for a very long time. Tanner, can you play, uh, I got to get Edwin Starr in here. We didn't get him last time. It's worth getting him in.
good, Tanner. Thank you. We get the idea. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? Tanner, do you know that song? Isn't that great? It's a great song. My producer, Tanner, is a young man. He's in his 20s. Never saw that before. And that's from the Vietnam War period. You know, we've been trying to work this through my entire life, and we're going backwards. And why are we going backwards? We, the people, don't want to get killed in a war. Our elites want to send us to get killed. And, you know, as I said, if wars were only fought by people over 50 years old, there'd be no wars. But a 50-year-old dad is plenty willing to send his 18-year-old son off to get his leg blown off. Hey, isn't that patriotic of you, Dad? Fantastic. I'm all for fighting if the cause is just. But when the cause is corrupt, I'm opposed to it. And that's what the Professor Penn podcast is going to start delving into. The whole predicate of why we're fighting here is wrong. We're in this survival of the fittest Darwinist game. And it's a cover story because what's really happening is we the people are being made poor. We the people are being made dependent. We the people are being made stupid. We the people are being made easy to control like sheep. So let's start to look at a little propaganda. A little propaganda from some of our greatest leaders. Here we've got Senator Lindsey Graham, who is going to be one of my projects along with Tom Emmer. Let's, let's take a look at what, what Lindsey has to say. If you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, then it's probably, you got a problem. <laughs> you need to do some self-evaluation. Because what's not to like? I called him after Bo died. And he basically said, well, Bo was my soul. I've talked for a long time. He came to my ceremony uh, and said some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. And um, he's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. He is as good a man as God ever created. I think he's uh, been dealt a really gut blow. I think he focuses on what he's got to do, not what he lost. Uh, his, his heart's been ripped out, but he's going to make sure that the other members of his family's well taken care of. And he started talking about his grandkids, more worried about them than anything. We just talked about the future. Yeah. He started talking about the future, the future of his family. Well, uh, there's nothing wrong with having friends in politics. And uh, there's nothing wrong with respecting people. But uh, <laughs> come on. I'm not going to be here and uh, start making a bunch of uh, unsupported allegations about uh, President Biden. But there's a lot of smoke around this guy's career. Smoke. Smoke everywhere. Billows of smoke. And generally speaking, when there's smoke, there could be a little fire. So when uh, Senator Lindsey Graham makes the comment that God has never created a finer man, whoa, you mean like Moses, Abraham? Like, uh, you know, come on. God has created some very fine people. Very fine people whose names we'll never know. You know, the finest of us, we don't know who they are. They just labor to make the world a better place every minute of every day. <clears throat> they don't waste their time. They know their time here is limited, 
And at a very young age, they are incorporated into a secret society or they, you know, for whatever reason, they get themselves in a position to actually improve the lives of people. It could be a doctor. You know, I speak, you know, sometimes disparagingly about, you know, the medical industrial complex, but there are individual doctors that are like saints. They're, they're wonderful people. We have them through our whole society. I've got a lawyer that I work with. People do not like lawyers. I've got a lawyer that I work with that is a very supremely ethical and moral human being. It's like a moral compass. And, you know, when I have matters that I'm concerned about in my life, I can go to him and talk to him as a counselor. And he always advises me in a way that is true and good and consistent. There's good people everywhere. But to say that there's never been a a better person created than a, a president who is, uh, you know, doing the things that, I mean, we see what he's doing. This is before we even get to his personal life or his alleged uh, issues, and I'm staying away from it. You know what it is. I'm I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not going to tumble down that rabbit hole because once I tumble down there, I'm not going to get out. But uh, we know, we all know the American people that this Joe Biden thing is not simple. Not simple at all. Just start with the Ukrainian war. What kind of president gets us involved in a conflict with a nuclear superpower? That was verboten for like forever. I mean, verboten. That's German for forbidden. Verboten. We didn't do such a thing because we respected and understood that crossing a line with the nuclear superpower could lead to the destruction of everything we know and love. But here we go. Good enough for me to say that Joe Biden is not such a great guy just because he allows this. He's misleading the people. If he was leading the people, he would find a way to solve this so we didn't have this constant anxiety. If you don't have constant anxiety that you could be killed, you maybe know more about this than me, and a good case could be made that this whole thing is a scam. I get it. But, you know, sometimes when you have co-conspirators in a scam— like let's say guys that are going to rob a bank. And that's what these people are doing. The bank they're robbing is the piggy bank of David Penn and your piggy bank. They're taking all of our money away. They're robbing the bank. Sometimes the criminals, after they rob the bank, some of the dumb ones even on the way to the robbery, they shoot each other. That's why it's difficult and dangerous to mess around being a criminal. Well, isn't this kind of a criminal act that's going on over in the Ukraine? and what's going on in Taiwan, isn't there an, kind of a, when I say criminal, I mean mafia. I mean, hey, what the, what we're saying to each other is, we'll kill you. How many of you walk around like that with your friends and family and say, you cross that line, I'm killing you? Well, what kind of deal is that? Maybe we should all walk around that way. Maybe maybe everybody arm up, carry a, you know, carry a gun. Anybody violates you, you know, violates the rules, just shoot them. Just let's just, hey, guess what? We're doing that. My gosh, I looked at the newspaper. There was 10 more people shot and killed in Chicago last weekend. Hey, as below, so above. As above, so below. Hey, hey, isn't it a great world? Are you like, I said this. I know some of you like this. I might get into it myself. I quit living like that 25 years ago, 20 years, 23 years ago. But that's okay. We can always go back. If that's what our collective decision is, if we the people are going to vote for chaos, hey, 
There's going to be some of us that like that shit. Let's take a look at Jamie Dimon, another guy. Covatus, where are you headed? Covatus, where are you taking us? And that's where Lindsey Graham has taken us. Joe Biden is the greatest person God ever created. Here comes Jamie Dimon, a bank president. Play this guy's bit here. We're here. We're going to support the Chinese people, uh, the Chinese governments. We do business with a thousand companies here. Half our multinationals coming in, half our local companies. Uh, you know, we always have managed our risk that we can handle almost whatever happens around the world. And I am an American patriot. I will do what my government tells me. I'm going to salute like anybody else. But I can tell them what I think. And you can imagine that I've been very clear when I sit down with them what I think and what we think matters. And like I said, a lot of the business community, I think, could be very helpful in that. This is not a simple matter. And sometimes we oversimplify things in a way which actually damage, you know, the ultimate outcome. J.P. Morgan Chase, the biggest bank in the country, that's the president, Jamie Dimon. If you're not familiar with them, familiarize yourself with them. Learn who he is. Look him up. So here we are with warships in the South China Sea. Chinese warships are cutting them off. Planes are flying 400, what, I don't remember, 400 feet? Was it very close? I mean, we're almost in a confrontation with the Chinese. And here's Jamie Dimon going to China. And he's saying, hey, I'm an American patriot. No, you're not an American patriot. Come on. You're a globalist of the highest order. You are the president of the largest bank. Okay, your interests are with money, not with we the people. The patriots, they're concerned about guys like me, guys and girls like you, the little people, the people that don't have anything. You think this guy gives a shit about David Penn or gives a shit about you? He, we don't ever enter into his equation, although it sounds great. I'm an American patriot. I'm an American patriot. I'm an American patriot. I'm an American patriot. I can say it over and over again. And if I put enough money and time into it, some people are going to believe it. Some people are even thinking he might run for office. Wouldn't that be special? He's over in China cutting deals with the Chinese. And at the same time, our largest bank is cutting deals in China. We're being told we're on the verge of going to war with the Chinese. And we need trillions of dollars extra money to prepare for it in an arms race. What, what's going on here? We're going to look at it because we can figure it out together. This is a real tell. Remember we had uh, Representative Emmer stuttering over himself? J.B. Diamond's a much better poker face. He's just telling you the way it is. Things are complicated. He's going to tell people what he believes, and here's what he believes. The world's better if the United States and Chinese government are in a partnership of control. That's what he believes. How does that work for us? Covatus, where are we headed? Where are you headed there, Jamie? Oh, let's take a look at another another honey bear. Here's Elon Musk in China. Let's listen to this one. Elon Musk has landed in China. His private jet was seen arriving in Beijing on Tuesday. There was no immediate confirmation the Tesla and Twitter boss was on board. But China's foreign minister later said he had met Musk for a discussion. The billionaire's plans in China aren't clear, but Reuters reported back in March that Musk was planning a visit and seeking a meeting with Premier Li Qiang. He's also expected to visit Tesla's factory in Shanghai. Officials in Beijing welcomed his arrival. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning said China wanted to see foreign businesses deepen their presence there. 
The trip comes as Tesla faces intensifying competition from Chinese electric vehicle makers like BYD. There is also uncertainty around expansion plans for the Shanghai plant. Tesla has said it intends to boost output there by 450,000 vehicles per year. Another question is whether Chinese officials will approve the release of Tesla's advanced driver assistance features. That's part of the full self-driving software it sells in other markets for $15,000 per car. Oh, well, we're being asked for an unlimited checkbook to buy arms, to arm up in an arms race with a country that seems to be uh, quite interested in doing business with our elites. I, I have to say, we the people need to wake up. We're getting worked. They're working us. On the one hand, <laughs> whatever they want for um, military hardware. Unlimited checkbook. On the other hand, we're all together, hands across the water. Look at who these people are and how far they're removed from you and me. How they don't care about us, our freedoms, our well-being, completely irrelevant. I mean, if you're really that concerned about being an American patriot, why don't you focus on repatriating jobs so that you and I have money? Why don't you quell the inflation by stopping the money printing? You know, who's holding all that paper and getting all that interest? Well, that'd be J.P. Morgan Chase. They're right next to the printing press. The printing press prints, and it goes right into Jamie's bank. He's upstream. He gets all the benefit of this scam. He is the skim room, J.P. Morgan Chase. The skim. The skim. Elon Musk, the skim. Look up how many government contracts that Elon Musk is the beneficiary of. Well, he talks about he's with we the people. These people just lie to us. They lie to us, and we want their lies. Remember, they can lie to us because we accept their lies. There is innumerable more of us than there are of them. The reason they get away with this is, first of all, we're transfixed by their celebrity. We like it. We can look up to them. Just like I looked up to my kindergarten teacher, Miss McCarthy. She actually cared about me. That's how we are imprinted to look up to our leaders. Oh, just like my kindergarten teacher. Elon Musk really cares about me. Jamie Dimon really cares about me. Lindsey Graham, he really cares about me. I feel so warm when I go to bed at night knowing that my leaders are so concerned with my well-being and the well-being of my family. Let's quit the bullshit now. These people do not care about us the way we are going to get our needs met, our well-being enhanced. It's up to us. So please today, go to precinctstrategy.com, call your local political party, be it Democrat or Republican, go in and start making your will felt. It's not hard. It's just called having an opinion. It's called having an opinion and expressing it to other people. Let's say you don't want to be in the party. Be political. Talk to all the people you know about what you believe. This is not of time uh, to have manners. Manners is not manners has got us to where we're at. That's called the status quo. This is a big, big problem for us. A big problem for us. Um, and to the extent that we don't put it out there ourselves, 
to the extent that we're passive, our future is determined by others. Let's play this clip from The Matrix and think about this for a minute. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. You know, Neil wants to be in control of his life or have some influence about how things turn out. That's all that's required here. I mean, that's the whole game. That 19-second clip. We're passive. We, the people, have been passive. We have depended on our leadership. We've depended on our elected representatives, our party representatives, the people that teach our children in school, in university. We've depended on them to do what's right and good and true. And we've lived our lives, and we have no play. We're not in the game. We're not determining our future. We are not self-determining. We are not self-determining. We are not self-governing. No one can predict the future. The future is unpredictable, right? Unless you're creating the future. Oh, then you can actually predict it because you're part of creating it. So here's the question to end the podcast today. Are we going to accept as the American people a future that we have no say in, that's predetermined for us, and if we don't agree with it, we're going to be sanctioned in some some way, maybe a horrifying way. Do we want no say in our future? Or do we want to get involved and make creating the future our passion and our privilege, exercise our right as American citizens? That's what this is all about, creating the future together. It's not about arguing. It's not about hating. It's not about disparaging or ad hominem attacks. I'm, I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in a dialogue of ideas that are meant to bring about a more well-being future for the American people. I don't accept the fate these people have in mind for me because I know exactly what their fate is. I know what their fate is going to be for me, and I'm going to tell you what it is. We're going to destroy the—we, the people, are agreeing with our leadership destroying the American economy. It's just being destroyed. We've outsourced our jobs. We financialized all of our— economic activity, when I mean financialized, I mean money is not getting made on work and production, money's getting made on money. A scam. We're transferring all, we, I say we, because we're allowing it. We the people are allowing all of our net worth to be transferred to others. A small group of globalists and elitists that control us. And they have that control over us because we've given them the power to control us. And all I'm asking is for this to end. It's not much. It doesn't require work. It requires engagement. You know, you can go to the gym today for an hour and a half, or you could go get to a political meeting for an hour and a half. And I realize that the gym prefers health benefits. What well-being benefits can we get out of participating in politics? It would be called creating the future. I can't think of anything more beneficial to my well-being than have a saying in how things turn out. Because if we leave it the way it is, the future is not bright for the American people. 
It's not bright. That's why I come in sometimes and I say I'm just depressed. I'm, I'm dark. Because to the extent that I, I'm not involved, and the extent that we don't get this movement going, wow, we're screwed. But to the extent that we do get involved, to the extent that we do come together, to the extent that we do impress our will upon the political process, our future is as bright as can be. Because there's not that many of these shitheads. Oh, three times I swear to you. I, I'm sorry. Other people that don't like it. But these people are so bad. And how do you tell when they're bad? They lie to us. They lie to us. I can feel when I'm being lied to. Can you feel when you're being lied to? I'm just asking. If you can't feel it, then I'm going to, if you go into the live chat or you get in touch with me and you say, what do you mean, Professor Penn? I can't feel the difference between truth and lies. Then we're going to have to train on that because we have a natural inborn capacity to discern truth and lies. And look at our society. we got so many people believing lies. So those people probably are not watching me. They're minions. I don't want to be a minion. I want self-governance. I want independent critical thinking. I want my well-being. And I'm willing to fight for those things. And that's what the podcast is all about. And I want to thank you for joining me. I, I just cannot um, express to you uh, how important it's going to be for us to oppose those that lie. So we're going to go out again, and we're going to keep coming back to it. Tanner, can you play this Emmer, this Representative Emmer's personal YouTube? Just feel this. Feel it. Let's just use it as a training opportunity. We're going to go out with this today. A lot of people are asking about the debt ceiling vote. A lot of people are questioning whether it was a good deal or a bad deal or whether they should be happy, upset. Uh, look, the debt ceiling deal, we all agreed we were not going to vote for a clean debt ceiling. I've never voted for a debt ceiling increase. We've got to get the spending in the Stop that, please, control. Tanner. So we Stop passed that. The We've got to get that the, the spending under control. This man whipped for a bill that gave the government of the United States his government, he's part of the government, part of the uni party, unlimited credit to borrow and print money for the next two years. So, you know, I'm helping myself come to grips with the BS. Please continue. More than a month ago, that literally is the wish list for Republicans. Uh, if we could get it, uh, it will really help this country. Unfortunately, right now we control one half of one third of the federal government. Stop. The first step Representative Emmer just blamed we the people. You know, elections have consequences. It's our fault that we only have one half of one third of the government. That's why this is the best deal they can cut. You know what's great about that one? It's true. Please continue. Is to make sure that we got the best deal we could. I can tell you there were a couple of people negotiating it. I can't say that they could have done better. I can't say we could have done better than they did. But what they gave us back was a bill that did this. According to the CBO, it's a $2.1 trillion cut. The Stop, single please. According to the CBO, it's a $35 billion cut. With the, I don't know where this 2.1 number came from. But the trillions of dollars of cuts, they're aspirational. <laughs> I mean, they're aspirational. They may cut, they may not cut. It depends on how things turn out. 
So this is a lie. This is a straight-up propaganda lie. Please continue. Largest deficit reduction bill in the history of this country. It also has an end to the, the Joe Biden student loan repayment pause. Because as soon as Stop. the Supreme Now he's going to go through Representative Emmer, what's called red meat for the base. He's going to go through a number of programs that the bill has in it, which is red meat. They're going to throw on the table a bunch of things that they did, which are hot buttons for Republican voters. Like, for example, why do these kids not have to pay for their college? Screw these kids. Let's take all the 20-year-olds and tax them because we want them to be a Republican someday, right? Let's go down as the party that took an entire generation of young people and told them, hey, pay up, pay the piper, so that the Democrats can say, hey, if you vote for us, we're going to forgive your student loans. And these young people are poor. But hey, you know what? We're not thinking about the future. We're thinking about all the old white people that are in the Republican Party that are pissed off that there's no payments on these student loans. Please continue. Court determines his illegal student loan cancellation as unconstitutional. We were all concerned that those people would then be under his paws and they wouldn't be repaying their loans. Under this bill, that's gonna start in about 60 days. It'll be $5 billion a month that will be coming in. We also clawed back billions of dollars of unobligated, unspent COVID funds. We got permitting reform that everyone in the oil and gas uh, industry will tell you is incredibly necessary. People who just build construction projects will tell you, you can take a highway. Can you stop again? <laughs> okay, everybody's getting some spoils now. What he's talking about is the spoils of war. This is how they got this thing through. Spoils of war. Oil and gas, construction, hey, we're good to go. We beat them Democrats back. Now you can move fast on these things. It's great. It spoils a war. Please continue. Seven years to construct down to one or two. That's huge. Uh, and then we did get work requirements uh, when it came to certain welfare benefits like food stamps, SNAP benefits. Uh, able-bodied oh, stop again. Oh, let's beat up on the black people. They're taking free money and not working. Hey, all the Republican base likes that. All these lazy black people that don't work. Let's tax them. I mean, this whole thing is just politically so stupid if this is just all stupid bragging about this stuff i'm not saying that people shouldn't pay their loans back i paid my loans back i think we should pay our loans back we have to pay back and right now it's going to be 35 trillion at the least we got to pay it back so there is a an element of truth to this but come on why are we why are we having this catalog of clips that our opponents can use for the next forever to make the Republican Party into the party of people that are cheap, stingy, racist, anti-youth. Please continue. Adults without dependents up to the age of 55 should go to work if they can. Uh, they should at least be trying to do that. Uh, this could have a dramatic impact on not just our workforce, but on people's self-esteem and their, their ability to create a better life for themselves and their family. Lastly, it's a 99-page bill. You got 15 pages of rescissions, including money that the CDC sends to the World Health Organization, which, by the way, goes to China. I, we got rid of this stuff. And, and look, I know my friend... Stop. I said it before. He's acting like he's Donald Trump. So, you know, China. Like, come on. You know, if you want to do something about the World Health Organization, withdraw from it. 
don't just take $400 million. It was $400 million. I mean, it's such a small amount of money compared to the trillions that they're going to spend. It's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. These are little nuggets of nothing dropped upon me as a Republican Party officer to justify, to give me some red meat, to distract me from the truth, which is Representative Emmer and all the people that voted for this bill have voted for an unlimited expansion of the federal government. Unlimited. Unlimited. He's a communist. He might not know he's a communist, but go look at how the communists intend to break this country by controlling the central banks, by creating a central bank, and by using money to destroy the wealth of the people. I'm not making it up. You can go do your own research. I'll probably have to bring it back next time because it's such an interesting topic. Thank you for joining. We've run over a little bit today. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little played out from all this. I know you can feel it in me. I'm, I'm, I'm played out. This level of bullshit is so devastating to people that are involved in the party. The only solace that I take is we've gone from 20 resistors in the House to 71. So we're tugging on that rope a lot harder. And if we get about 40 or 50 more representatives in the Republican Party that truly care about the well-being of the people, we're going to pull these people across the line and we're going to open up a new chapter, a new dawn, a new renaissance in the American experience. I want to thank you for joining and I look forward to seeing you soon again.